Hi, it's Matt. Just before we start the show, I want to tell you about a great live event I've got coming up on the 27th of March. To celebrate 600 episodes of Recruiting Future, I'm going to be hosting a live Ask Me Anything webinar. This is your chance to pick my brain on anything you like, including market trends and predictions, the impact of AI on recruiting, skills-based hiring, the changing role of recruiters, podcasting tips, or even my favourite Scottish tourist destinations and whiskies. Literally, ask me anything. I'll also be joined by some surprise special guests who'll be adding their perspectives to the conversation. You can sign up now by going to mattalder.me slash AMA. That's mattalder.me slash AMA. And I really look forward to seeing you there. That web address one last time. mattalder.me slash AMA. If you're a fan of the Recruiting Future podcast, then you will absolutely love our newsletter, Recruiting Future Feast. Not only does it give you the inside track on what's coming up on the show, you can also find everything from book recommendations to insightful episodes from the archives and first access to new content that helps you to understand where our industry is heading. Sign up now and also get instant access to the recording of my recent webinar on the future of talent acquisition. Just go to recruitingfuturefeast.com slash webinar. That's recruitingfuturefeast.com slash webinar. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 534 of the Recruiting Future podcast. The potential impact of AI on talent acquisition is 2023's biggest talking point. But what impact will these new technologies have on relationship-driven hiring at the top of organisations? Will AI disrupt executive search or just provide a better toolset? At the same time, how are the next generation of leaders thinking about their careers as we move further into an AI-driven future? My guest this week is Bill Hogenhauer, a partner at JM Search. Bill specialises in placing C-level technology executives, and it was great to get his insights into the current state and the likely future direction of executive search. Hi, Bill, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Matt. Good to be here. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Please, could you introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Sure thing. Uh, my name is Bill Hoganauer. I am a partner with a retained executive search firm called JM Search here in headquartered in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. I am the co-lead for our IT executives practice, and I also head up a center of excellence around software product development. So searching for chief technology and chief product officers, primarily in enterprise software businesses. So there's 
been a huge sort of focus over the last six months or so in terms of some of the the, the issues with layoffs in technology, some of the, the ways the market's been turning, all those kind of things. You'd be the perfect person to to get a view on this. What is the hiring market, the talent market? What does it look like from your perspective at the moment? So what we're seeing is a bit of a perfect storm that's typical of technology cycles. What happened in recent years, especially during COVID, is, is large tech companies overhired. At the same time that was happening, a lot of investors and other players were hoarding cash. They were keeping cash to ensure that they'd be able to support their portfolio companies as they tried to weather the storm and or even grow with some of the more interesting products and investments that were made during COVID. Now that we're coming out of that, these large tech companies are realizing, wow, we overhired, the market has softened a bit, and those layoffs are impacting technology in, in very broad strokes. However, mostly at levels beneath where we tend to work in our space. But what that also means is there's a lot of talent, really talented programming and uh, coders and developers of, of novel products that have hit the market and have landed at a time where there is still a glut of cash. And a lot of those people are now focused on interesting novel technologies in and around AI and other places. And what we're going to see is that I think the market, at least from the leadership perspective where we sit, will, and, and that has also softened a bit, but not really gone down. It's, it's, we're actually up this year, but the, it's plateaued a bit more than in recent years. And what we're seeing is that, that, the overall market is going to open up moving into 2024. We're a bit of a leading indicator in our business, Matt, and we've seen a significant uptick in activity with our client base in recent months. You mentioned there lots of talented people, lots of cash, interesting, interesting kind of mix. Are we going to kind of look back on this particular time and see it as the time that, you know, the next big tech companies? was started or at least a time of great innovation that sort of drives the next next cycle? I would say so. Yeah. You, you're seeing people who have left their positions either involuntarily or voluntarily and have gone and found ways to raise funding for some pretty significant novel ideas. And those will undoubtedly take advantage of this time to grab other talent that is out there and put together teams that will push those businesses forward. You mentioned the the pandemic and how things have been sort of sort of very volatile over the last few years. How have the last three years changed executive search? What what's different? How's it how's it evolving? So look, I, I think Everyone out there understands that executive search in many ways is a relationship business. Y you use partners in our space. Companies use partners that they trust, that they know, and with whom they've had success. Over the last few years, though, clients 
even existing clients of ours have become a lot more discerning in their selection criteria. Uh, they are looking for specialization, which is something that we as a firm have been building over the last approximately seven years as we've grown from, gosh, 75 people to more than 200 now. We have focused exclusively on hyper-specialization. And that's how I would say our business has changed the most dramatically. So what I mean by that is we will recruit board CEO and direct reports to the CEO at the C-level, primarily for growth-oriented businesses, growth equity, late-stage venture, et cetera. If we and demonstrate to a client that we have a senior level resource because we are a partner-led firm. There is, there, there is a very senior resource focused on every recruiting job that we see. If we can convince our client that we have someone that focuses not only in their vertical, but in the function for which we're searching, it is a much more compelling partner opportunity. So, for instance, if a client comes to us and says, we have a business that this is just an example that is in distribution and they're looking for a head of technology, we can clearly demonstrate that we have done several heads of technology for distribution tech businesses and demonstrate a competency that will enable us to get what's key for our client, and that is out in the market quickly and start having conversations with qualified candidates early in the process to ensure that their vision of this candidate for the role is refined very early in the process in order to stay aligned throughout. You mentioned that executive search is all about relationships. Has the way that you communicate and build relationships developed since the pandemic? In some ways, yes. There, look, there's the, the technology we have these days, like the one you and I are on now, enables people to connect so much better and in such higher fidelity than it used to. Video, audio, it's, it's almost like being there, but that is still an almost. There is, there is nothing that will ever replace personal interaction face-to-face, -face, actually shaking hands, breaking bread, and developing a relationship that goes deeper than the transaction of an executive search. What we do has a lasting impact on so many levels for our clients. It's the stakeholders of the business, the investors, it's the executives of the business and how they enjoy going to work with each other. It's the impact on the employees and the employees' families. So developing that relationship is extremely important to strengthen the understanding between client and service provider that this is not just a transaction. This is important on far too many levels to be just a deal between two parties. You mentioned 
novel, innovative technologies. And obviously, the, the the one that's in all the headlines this year is generative AI and, you know, other developments in AI. How are they impacting what you do and how do you think they might do so in the future? It's a great question, Matt. And it's the, the kind of thing that we do give a lot of thought to, partially because many of our clients are investing in generative AI and other technologies but partially because we're constantly introspective about how we can provide better service and does AI actually help us do that? And the answer in the short term is that we're going to see a much bigger impact of AI on lower level recruiting and retention. So entry, lower individual contributor, lower and middle management. At, at our level, at the most senior level, AI, at least in the short term, will be about a few limited areas. And, and those are, I say limited with respect to the actual delivery of what we do, identifying, engaging, and, and closing candidates. Uh, it, it will have much more of an impact on the operational side of our business, streamlining elements of what we do, automating processes that would otherwise take time ensuring timely communication and optimizing the candidate experience so that, look, it's human nature and as feverishly as we work to identify and engage candidates, we strive to give every candidate, whether or not they're the best and the one that gets the job with a good experience throughout the process. But you can forget to call someone, you can inadvertently send a, a message that you that sends a, an indication to somebody that they're not a candidate when they still are you can you can make those mistakes and communicating is is obviously the way to resolve communicating clearly is the way to resolve those things and with a, a human element so ai again will i think facilitate a much smoother and more thorough process on our end, but it is going to take a long time for AI to displace the ability that we have when we are meeting people face-to-face -face and understanding their drivers and their motivations and putting into context what they have done rather than treating it as, as a Boolean logic or a checkbox in some algorithm, it will take a long time, if it ever happens, for AI to replace that human interaction and the interpretation of the data provided by a candidate. Do you think it can help with research, though, in terms of looking into someone's background, trying to sort of predict their suitability? Is there a role that it can play in that? Absolutely. And those are the things that will take some time and some really large data sets. In fact, I think that the data set like LinkedIn is sitting on right now has absolute gold in there that they are. They, they don't seem to be mining. Um, we don't rely on that platform all that much. We, we do use it. But look, as a tool, that platform has the opportunity to become something truly special. And they have something called LinkedIn Recruiter, 
where you can look up somebody's profile if you have a certain access. And then they have this algorithm that presents similar profiles to you. That algorithm is really clunky, if you ask me. It's, it's horribly inaccurate when it comes to executive level recruiting. Now, it could be really, really good when you're looking for a programmer that has experience in a particular tech stack or a manager that has worked with teams of a certain size and structure. But when you're looking for a combination of early career experience along with strategic as well as tactical value creation, that algorithm does not yet exist. And it could. It could. I think AI could play a large role in detecting the kind of attributes of what we'll call real athletes, these candidates who have grown quickly in their careers. Because you can inflate titles, you can use keywords, and you can trick the current algorithms into thinking that you're more than you really are from a career perspective. And I suppose that leads us on to talking about the the candidates themselves, the talent, the the potential talent. How are things changing in terms of people's careers? I mean, what does the what are the sort of the views of the next generation of leaders in terms of how they approach their careers and also how they how they look for jobs? A great question and and one that I can't answer empirically. So anecdotally, and this isn't a blanket statement, but it's pretty clear that today's leaders seek purpose. They're not just looking for a job, they're looking for a career with impact. And I think AI actually has a lot to do with that change. And again, I, I can't make a blanket statement because there are people throughout history who have always been driven by purpose instead of just having a job. But AI in a way has made people embrace the fact that they are unique and that they can create value and that they're really unafraid these days to say no to something that feels like just a job. And that's going back to the previous question about AI's impact on recruitment. If you're not speaking with another human, if you're not engaged in a way where you can truly seek to understand the motivations of an individual and what drives them. If you can identify and help facilitate a discussion with a client around the things that the role offers to someone that will trigger those underlying principles that they have or really get them up and going in the morning and excited about going to do what they do because they are going to have an impact. The next generation of leaders is thinking that way because the world has changed so dramatically after we've emerged from the industrial into the technical revolution that you can pick a career that combines so many attributes and elements of what you what really gets you going that and there's so much out there to do and the employment market is surprisingly rich right now that people just don't want to go find a job they want to find a career with impact the final question which really draws together a lot of the topics that that we've been talking about 
if if we look out into the future, you know, AI is going to develop, technology is going to develop, the way that people think about careers is going to develop. Obviously, we've talked about uh, relationships and you know the role that AI is playing in the sort of short and medium term. What do you think the balance between humans and machines will look like in the future when it comes to executive search? So if you really pin me down on that one, the core of it is data. However, and what I mean about data is what you might find in someone's resume. And and by the way, the notion of a resume seems to be dying. The, the, the opportunity for people to have a, a, a digital living resume these days is so much more apropos than having a paper resume. But it's data. So, and what I mean about that, Matt, is that the best way, period, to determine the value someone can provide to an organization is to understand that data and not just what they write, but to speak directly with people with whom that person has worked in the past. It's referencing, it's hearing from the market, from the actual source. What did that person do? What did they contribute? How did they create value? How did they interact with others? AI can't do that. AI can analyze written reference information and data about the business and how it changed under their leadership, but did they influence it or were they along for the ride? And also, if we have bias built into AI, it's going to be difficult to trust that data. And that's going to take time to remove bias from that and to really sustain what what I'll call a human-to-human interaction for understanding exactly what the value those candidates have provided their employers. Uh, It's, from what I see in our space, the data is going to get better over time. It's going to get cleaner. but you have to understand the source of the data you have to understand the context of the data. You have to combine it with other data sources and humans right now for executive search. And I think for at least the next decade or more are going to be much better at discerning the truth and the real value in somebody's background at the executive level than AI. Bill, thank you very much for talking to me. Matt, it was a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. My thanks to Bill. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter, Recruiting Future Feast, and get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.
imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.